This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Rugby ran a banner. Episode 14, innit? Mm. Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Eddie Stevens here in the rugby shed to talk about England rugby and all that shit. Check it out. Rugby ran to banter episode 14. That's terrible. I'm doing a terrible black voice. Ugh, is that racist stuff? Fuck it. Rugby ran to banter episode 14. Let's go. It's a quick one. No poop. Ah, fucked it up. Anyway, do you hear me? I'm singing a god... I think technically that would be considered a country song. I've always hated country music, but I've had this song... Do you know the song, um, King of the Road? I've had that stuck in my head for the last week, and I can't... I've been banned from singing it in the house. I can't stop. It's a good song, but... You know, when I first came here 20 years ago, I hated anything country. I remember landing in Albuquerque when I was about 14... And seeing cowboys walking around. And at that age, I I always tell Americans it's the equivalent. It was the equivalent sort of culture shock as if they went to England and saw people walking around in suits of armor. Like, that's – do you know that people do this? Maybe people are, in England are more aware of, um, like, the southwest of America now. But there's cowboys. There's people walking around in cowboy hats. There's different types of cowboys. There's real cowboys that work on ranches and – uh, um, do cowboy stuff. And then there's just like the urban cowboys, the street cowboys that just dress like cowboys. Uh, the whole, it's all annoying. Although, ugh, don't worry, I'll never do it. I had an idea to ironically dress as a cowboy for a show. By the way, I forgot, I did a show last night um, and I forgot to record it. So I'm not going to put that on at the end of this. Sorry. Um, but I was saying to somebody the other day, I was like, I could dress like a cowboy if I wanted to. And it would be sort of joke. I would do it as a joke, but at the same time, I kind of, ugh, what kind of an idiot am I? I actually see the appeal of doing it. Um, but what's fucked up is I could, I could dress as a cowboy. I could wear the cowboy hat, the jeans, the shirt, the boots, the big belt buckle. And I could even like live as a cowboy. If I wanted to, I could go and work on a ranch. I could round up steer. I could do all this cowboy shit and it would be fine. I'd be considered a cowboy. I'd be English, but they'd still, they'd allow me in and I would be a cowboy and that would be fine. But I could never be an Indian, you know, no matter how hard I try, like right from the start, like with cowboy, I'd start out by wearing a hat. 
you know, and, and the clothes. That would be like, and then I eventually try and prove myself as a cowboy. But the second I put on a headdress, I'm going to be killed. You know, you've seen the shit that Exeter Chiefs have had to go through. And there's no Indians in England. Native Americans, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, uh, what was my point? Oh, you know what? I was going to go rambling and bambling and scrambling some eggs, but I'm just going to talk rugby. Um, there's not that much to talk about, as you know, again, but I'm doing it anyway. I sort of hope that if you're listening to this, it's either entertaining in a sort of weird, uh, what the hell is this guy on about way, or maybe it's just nice to listen to. Like, I listen to a lot of rugby podcasts when I'm going to bed at night. And uh, I sort of fall asleep to it. And then like the next day I have to rewind and I never miss as much as I think. I, I always think when I go, when I'm falling asleep, I feel like there's been about 15 minutes where I'm dozing off and I missed it. And it's always about two minutes that I missed. So I'm efficient. I fall asleep very quickly. Excuse me. Um, but let's talk rugby, shall we? Uh, first thing I want to talk about, John Mitchell, the appointment of John Mitchell as England defense coach. Now, what I find this very interesting. I think that part of Eddie Jones's absolute just disintegration as a loved England coach is that now he can't really do anything right. Even when he, no matter who he picks, people just shit all over. So, and, and, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't in the case of John Mitchell. It's interesting though. Uh, everything I've read regarding his um, selection as defense coach for England has been very, very negative. He seems to have a really bad reputation amongst fans as a guy who doesn't, not only doesn't achieve anything with any teams that he coaches, but seems to be very um, divisive, seems to be a, well, to be frank, he seems, it seems like he's a bit of a cunt, like according to a lot of people. But I remember, and maybe you do too, I remember the 90s, when John Mitchell was player coach at Sale for a while. And I remember, I don't remember the results in terms, I don't remember how successful they were when he was coaching. But, you know, I was young. I was probably only about 13 at the time. But I remember, I remember it being a positive thing. I remember him being successful and a bloody good player. And I don't remember there being any uh, negative side to that. And then, of course, he did coach the All Blacks in the what, 2003 World Cup, and they lost in the semifinals. They ended up coming third, which is not, you know, perfect, not ideal. Certainly not ideal for the All Blacks fans who accept nothing other than, other than you know, the championship, winning the World Cup. But not terrible. I think he got fired after that for coming third. But since then, I haven't really followed his career. Um, apparently, it's not gone that well. But I have a feeling he'll do a fine job. Um, I'm just going to take a sip of my, it's 7-Up. I'm drinking 7-Up, for God's sake. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> oh, God, sorry. That was the most awful-sounding burp ever. I'll edit that out, maybe. Anyway, um, so that's John Mitchell. We'll see. I mean, how much of a difference is he going to make? Uh, England's defense is going to be fine. That's the least of our concerns. Um, the other issue that I meant to talk about last week uh, was the the law the law change for tackle height, which everybody's talked about already. But I think it's okay. 
I'm going to go down a road that may end up nowhere. I may walk down a road right now that and step in dog shit and get lost. But I feel like this change in tackle height down to nipple. I'm not going to joke about nipples. Um, it just feels like this is yet another point in the uh, inevitable outlawing of rugby. I feel like we're creeping closer and closer to rugby just becoming illegal because it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous part of rugby again everyone's already talked about it but I think it's more I think it's a bigger deal than people think it's not just going to be difficult to referee it's not just going to be you know harder to avoid getting carded I feel like you know this is there's been a number of changes uh, to the laws that are supposedly supposed to stop people getting hurt. But the thing is, if we're all totally honest, part of rugby is getting hurt, you know? And there's certain people in society whose voice is becoming louder and louder, as you know, that would love to just be done with this barbaric sport altogether, you know? I mean, they want boxing banned, and, you know, maybe... They... This, see, this is the thing. If I imagine a perfect utopian future... Imagine a future where there's no violence and everyone's cool and nice and we're all vegans. There's no animal suffering. There's no suffering. You know, that's a lovely goal. I mean, that's a lovely idea, you know, as a fantasy. Um, but aside from the fact that I don't think it's really possible, um, even if it's something to aspire to, it would obviously mean no rugby. And unfortunately, we still have the same minds, the same basic instincts and desires that people have had for thousands of years. And I just worry that, you know, 50, 60 years from now, rugby will get to the point where it will just be touch rugby eventually. And people will think it's great. People will think it's great. And it'll be like football where people are diving every time. Ah, God, you know what I'm saying. I don't want to sound like a lunatic, but I really do think it could get to that point. You know? I mean, society is creeping further and further and further left. I'm talking from, like, this is in the U.S., I'm not sure. And, and I don't want to sound like a right-wing maniac because I'm not. I'm not left-wing or right-wing. I think I may have mentioned this before, but my wife a couple of weeks ago uh, called me, told me I was turning into a really nasty right wing something like that. And um, that really pissed me off because what it was is somebody said something about white privilege. And I went, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, um, and I don't want to get into it. But this is the thing. I have always I, 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 I and this is what I told her. I have exactly the same attitude politically that I had, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, certainly when I, when she met me, I have not moved. I used to be very far left, but now everything has moved so far to the left that I find myself a little bit more on the right sometimes. And I don't want to get into it because this isn't the place for it. But in fact, I don't know why I mentioned it. Why did you let me do that? You should have told me to shut up, you idiot. Um, but it does feel like there. No, it doesn't feel like it. There is. There is, at least in the world I'm living in, in the society I'm living in. We live in the same world. <laughs> in the country I'm living in, a war on masculinity. There just is. They don't want any. 
I mean, they'd, they'd like to have us neutered at birth if they could. Um, and rugby is all is part of that. Um, but it doesn't make sense. There's women's rugby, and women love it. So, ah, Jesus. Anyway, hopefully I'm just sounding, sounding like a mad, insane Alex Jones-type person warning of this apocalypse that will never come. But I just think rugby is violent. We've got rules to protect players. You're never going to completely protect them. Otherwise, what's the point of playing, you know? Anyway. I read on Twitter the other day, someone said, a woman said something about somebody man laughing at her. I couldn't ask what that meant because I would end up getting myself banned from Twitter again. But what the fuck does that mean? He man laughed at me. Is that a man laughing at you? Like, I mean, how can you, so it's a man, I I, I, I gotta be careful. I'm not even gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk about it. Um, Let's talk more rugby. Oh, a player I'd forgotten about that I was just reading about, Kyle Eastman, of course, playing at Leicester now. Oh, my. Kyle Eastman could be England's plan B or maybe not, maybe plan C in terms of, like, the way they play the game with their 12. I talked last week about having, you know, you've got your plan A seems to be uh, a ball-playing 12, uh, uh, a uh, kicking 12. Someone like Owen Farrell, maybe Lazowski, um, maybe Henry Slade. Um, but then plan B would be someone like Ben Teo, you know. Now, Kyle Eastman obviously isn't the same as Ben Teo, but he's not going to kick the fucking ball. He's got good ball handling skills. He can, he can um, set up players around him, but he's got a different kind of physicality. He's kind of like... Um, God damn it. Yeah, Simmons from Exeter at number eight. The way that he, he's not a Billy Vunapola style ball, car- uh, ball, ball carrier, but he is a ball carrier. He's just got quick feet and breaks through tackles. And Kyle Eastman is the same at 12. You've got ben, someone like Ben Teo, uh, Manu Tuolagi, touch wood if he doesn't cripple himself, um, who are going to run the ball straight and run people over. And then you've got Kyle Eastman who will just step everybody. I've got a lot of time for Kyle Eastman. I like, if he can stay fit, I'd love to see him given a chance with England. However, I haven't read anything about this being the case, but I do get the impression when I watch him play that he could be a little bit divisive in a team. Like, he seems to yell at players around him a lot. We've heard it about Owen Farrell. Everybody knows that he has that little streak in him where he sometimes, you know, can get a little bit shitty with the players around him and can, like, lash out at them. And maybe that's not great for the team. But I've seen Kyle Eastman do that a number of times. Not just shouting, but like, like just like a little petulant child, just like sulking after someone drops a ball or doesn't pass to him. And that could be a problem. But having said that, I haven't read that that's a problem. I haven't heard from any of the players that, that, that that's a problem. So maybe not. Anyway. That's just about the gist of it in terms of current news. John Mitchell, defense coach, I think he's going to do fine. It's He may as well be anonymous. I don't think we really even need to know who's defense coach anymore. Just let the head coach deal with it, Eddie Jones. Let him pick his weird fucking England squad of 19-year-olds that haven't even played premiership rugby yet. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. Um, let's do cock-ups. So, here's my cock-up from last week. You already know. I fucked up with the microphone. Now, this is what I did. And I'm hoping that there's not a problem this time. Without boring you shitless with the details, the kind of microphone that I'm using needs to be in front of my face in a sort of sideways-on fashion, if that makes sense. It Like, you're not supposed to speak into the tip of it, you speak into the face of it. But I, for some reason, went mad and angled it so I had the tip of it in my face, yeah, as if I'm going to give it a blowjob. And uh, it didn't like it, and it didn't listen. And that's why, if you could handle the entire episode, I think you heard a lot of me talking and then getting really quiet and then getting louder again and then getting quiet again and shit like that. Um, I think that was my only cock-up from last week, although I haven't listened to it. How bad is that? I couldn't listen to it myself because of the sound quality. It wasn't good enough for me to listen to. But there's no reason you shouldn't listen to it. Who do you think you are? Anyway, that's cock-ups. Okay, um, what I decided I'd do tonight uh, to end this podcast, it's not very original. Uh, it's been done by other podcasts, but this is something that I may have mentioned. I do this sometimes just to fall asleep at night. I have a hard time falling asleep sometimes, uh, so I'll listen to podcasts sometimes. And sometimes I lay there, and to avoid having some kind of anxiety attack, which I'll often have at night, um, I will just think of like my all-time best England team. Well, sometimes I'll do weird themes on it. You've done this before, I'm sure, but you've never heard my all-time best England team. So I'm going to do that now, and you can uh, fall asleep listening to this, or not if you're driving or anything, for God's sake. But um, So for my all-time best England team, I'm doing a squad of 23, and I have to say, and there's no nothing wrong with this. You know, I was watching rugby growing up in the 90s, so it's going to be 90s and up until now biased. I'm not going to be picking a bunch of um, sort of pre-Jeff Cook coached uh, players. Um, and, you know, I'm sure if you've done this yourself, it's hard to avoid picking 2003 World Cup winners. It's very hard to do. But in some cases I have. And right from the start I have, at loose head prop, this is interesting, because, and I'll tell you why. My loose head tr prop is Andrew Sheridan. Now, when Andrew Sheridan was being picked for England, certainly in the last couple of years he was playing, but pretty much most of the time, I constantly was complaining about how overrated he was. Um, people talked about him like he was some kind of superman. They're always talking about how much he could bench. And so it, that, it doesn't matter how much you bench. What are you contributing on the pitch? And I feel like a lot of the time he wasn't contributing that much, but what he did in the scrums, legally or not, there's people who would say that it was illegal, but what he contributed for England in the scrums is undeniable. And I don't think there's been another prop for England who has been that destructive, where we've won, he has won us matches in the past just from his scrummaging. And uh, for that reason, he's my loose head. But wait, if you're angry and you're saying, where's Jason Leonard? Where's someone else? Um, don't worry, because I'm going to do the bench 
and I'll even talk about uh, close calls. At hooker, Steve Thompson. Yes, he's a World Cup winner, but also, fuck, he was great, wasn't he? I mean, there's not many... I, I, I feel like nobody else really can't. I think that's a fairly easy one. Now, at tight head, I got Phil Vickery. Um, it was interesting. When I, when I was doing this, I was like, for some reason, I couldn't remember if Phil Vickery was a, a tight head or a loose head. It's weird because I should have... I don't know why I forgot that. But what was So I looked at the 2003 World Cup lineup for the final, just to see, and he's there at number three, of course. And one thing I didn't remember, and maybe this is going to make you think I'm an idiot, but I do not remember Martin Corrie covering second row on the bench in the 2003 World Cup. I was amazed by that. Because in my, in my memory, there was a brief period where they tried having Martin Corrie at second row. Why did I forget that? I'm sure you didn't. That's weird. Um, anyway, of course, at, my, uh, at second row, there's Martin Johnson. You can't not have Martin Johnson. Um, I'm not even going to talk about it. But the other second row, now this, is, this, is, this would be, um, this is a tricky one. There's a lot of, there's nobody putting their hand up way higher than anyone else. Because um, you got, you know, Ben Kay was in the World Cup final. But I don't feel like he played for England as long as some other players. And I don't feel like he, uh, obviously he was a great player, but I feel like there are other players that maybe offered a little bit more. And I've gone for Simon Shaw because he was always in and out of the England team. But when he played well, he was really fucking good. And of course, British Lions, all that shit, you know. Blindside, Richard Hill, next. Now, open side flanker, um, I wanted to put Neil back really bad. I wanted to do the Holy Trinity, Hill back Delalio. And I love Neil back because he was always considered a short open side flanker. And so was I. And um, he's, he was great. He was absolutely great. But I've actually gone for Peter Winterbottom, who... Um, so when I first started getting into rugby and I was first playing when I think... I, yeah, I think I was 12, 13. Uh, he was... England's open side and uh he'd been around for a while even then and he's the kind of guy I know uh, I think it was Will Carling said he's the best player he's ever seen um I always remember hearing or reading somewhere that he was one of the few England players that was really rated by New Zealanders and uh you know didn't win a world cup Neil Back's great is a really close call but I had to go for Peter Winterbottom um and then at eight, the closest call. I love Dean Richards. And I and Dean Richards is one of those guys who do you remember that game against he was always getting dropped for England? Because they wanted someone quicker. They wanted they wanted to play. This was the thing for England in the nineties, was like in early and mid nineties, they were desperate to play like this quick throw the ball around fucking Southern Hemisphere style game, which Dean Richards doesn't play. So they drop him and put um, Chris Sheesby at eight or Ben Clark uh, at eight or whoever. But they'd always end up going back to Dean Richards. And I always remember the, 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 the game against Scotland where he was, he was brought back into the team because England had lost. They didn't have him. And then he was, there was one scene where he was dragging. I forget his name. I think it, it was the Scotland number eight. It was Eric Peters. Was that his name? I'm probably wrong. But I just remember Dean Richards 
dragging men with him. And uh, whoever that was, I was trying to remember, hanging on the ball and Dean Richards just dragging him along like a big bear. Love Dean Richards. But I've gone for Lawrence Delalio. World Cup winner. Heineken Cup winner. Um, just consistent and a really long, good career. I think that's kind of a no-brainer too. Now, Scrum Half, some of you are going to want to fly over here, track me down and cut my balls off and shoot me in the head for saying this, but I'm saying Austin Healy. No, he has not played Scrum Half for England in necessarily in the, in the most important matches. Um, somebody like Matt Dawson, uh, World Cup winner, and probably has a better trophy cabinet. Um or at least a better sort of list of honors. But Austin Healy, a lot of people hate him, but what he did, playing whether he's playing scrum half or wing or even fly half, I don't think anyone could really fuck with. He was so fast, so confident, so skillful. One of England's most underrated players. And I'm sure if I'm, I probably wouldn't like him in real life, but in terms of, you know, as a player, he was incredible. So I've got him. So there, shush. Fly half. Who do you think? Johnny Wilkinson. Next. Inside center, Will Greenwood. I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that either. Um, Because I've got Jeremy Guscott at 13. And I can't remember. I I suppose I could have checked the internet. But um, I can't remember if he played more at 12 or 13. But pretty sure he played at 13. Um, He's another one. I think it's tricky because Will Greenwood played at... 12 but war 13 is that right fuck it i can't remember anyway i'll put greenwood and gusket in there i can't think of anyone you know you could consider putting will carling in there but no you wouldn't have will carling over will greenwood or jeremy gusket would you um and then on the wings on one wing i've got jason robinson who in my opinion is the best england player of all time i just think he offered he probably won us more game he, he was you know Famously, the the 2003 World Cup winning team was built around Jason Robinson, according to Clive Woodward. Um, And you know what? If you could clone him, I'd have him on both wings and at fullback. That's how good he was. Um, But you know what's interesting? I just realized something. I had picked Ben Cohen as my other winger, but and and I'd even had, I'd looked at other players, and for some reason, Rory Underwood slipped my mind. But you've got to have Rory Underwood in there. Rory Underwood was a British Lion, England winger Leicester winger when they were really great and was always scoring tries just or even when England were bad he was scoring tries he was a great player you've got to have uh, Rory Underwood on one wing and then Josh Lucy at fullback no one else comes close do they am I forgetting someone love Josh Lucy Josh Lucy now the bench I'm gonna wrap this up I'm nearly done this might be controversial controversial how could anything I say on here become important enough to be considered controversial but i would actually god i would have mako vunapola because he's like halfway through his career but he's already done so much and he's already such an important player for england and don't worry i would have jason leonard on the as the other uh, replacement prop so that's easy and then covering hooker with Steve Thompson starting, I go with Brian Moore's uh, bench cover because Brian Moore, 
very consistent, tough little fucker. Um, some people don't like him as a person now. Um, I think he had his second heart issue. I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I love Brian Moore, and, and I don't think anyone else. The only other hooker I could think of is someone that no one would consider because he barely played for England. But I'll tell you the most underrated England hooker ever was Phil Greening because I remember Phil Greening playing for Gloucester and then he went to Wasps um, fast as fuck. He even played sevens for England, but then he went on to coach Scotland seven so he can die. Um, covering second row. So remember, we've got Johnson and Shaw. Now there's a number of players we could consider. Ben Kay, Danny Grucock. Um... I'm trying to, I can think of lots of England second rows, but I'm not sure. No, not. I guess you could go back to someone like Paul Ackford, Wade Dooley. Um, you know what? I would probably go Wade Dooley just because of the respect that he had. A lot, all the players that played with him talked about how hard he was. Um, yeah, I know he got knocked. Well, no, that's Paul Ackford got knocked out by the Argentinian. Yeah, Wade Dooley. Definitely Wade Dooley. Although another really underrated England player was Nigel Redman. He was a second row for England. I think he was only six foot two, maybe not even that, but just solid. Solid. He kind of reminded me of John Mitchell, actually. Anyway, the way he looked and the way he played. Um, but for my uh, back row cover, this is, of course, the hardest. You know, I already talked about Neil Back. Now, I'm imagining that this is a squad that you would put out so you'd want someone versatile. Neil Back's not going to play number eight. So uh, consider Joe Worsley, very versatile, a very important England player over the years. And even though I'd say he's underrated by England, even though everybody knows he was a great player, <clears throat> I'm not sure he gets as much respect as, as he even deserves. Some people say Mike Teague, he was really great, but I feel like he wasn't great for as long as some of these other players. Um, same as uh, Mickey Skinner. He was sort of pretty damn incredible. When I first started playing, he was he was the man, Mick the Munch Skinner. Do you remember? Did any of you have that video? It was Mick the Munch Skinner's greatest hits and dirty bits? It was so great. It was him talk, like showing all his best, the best tackles and the worst tackles and some punches and stuff. And then it was showing uh, sort of behind the scenes England stuff. God, I love that. My stepbrother and I used to watch that all the time. Um. Another player I would consider, you know, I already put Mako on the bench. You could consider putting Billy on the bench. I mean, he's kind of, his importance to the England team is almost unprecedented, isn't it? In in that we've seen how hard it has been without him. Um, he's that important. But I feel like he's not played enough for England to quite get that yet. Having said that, if he had to retire today, I would probably put him in there. But I feel like he's got more work to do. So I've gone with Lewis Moody on the bench. Another player that everybody respects, but they still somehow in my mind, a little bit underrated, uh, probably because he was there. And, and same with Joe Worsley. They were around when Richard Hill, Neil Back and Lawrence Delalio were doing their thing. So it was kind of tricky for them, but they played for a long time and they played, you know, after that era as well. So Lewis Moody. Uh, on the bench, scrum half, Matt Dawson. I considered uh, Dowie Morris. In fact, God, I'm tempted to put him in. Brilliant player. Um, not a good, um, not a particularly good um, 
pundit or certainly not a particularly good commentator. Um, but anyway, I don't want to talk about that. Disrespectful to the legend. Uh, I'd probably go Matt Dawson, though. I think he's, he's certainly achieved more than Dowie Morris. Um, now, covering fly half, for me, was easy, but I don't know if other people agree, because another underrated player who played for England and the Lions, Rob Andrew. Because a lot of people, they talk about squeaky, and of course you get a lot of disrespect um, after being employed by the RFU. Um, undeserved, in my opinion. Uh, but for England, he was phenomenal. And of course, he was Johnny Wilkinson's mentor. And what a lot of people don't remember about Rob Andrew is, you know, he wasn't picking people up and dumping them on their heads the way Wilkinson did. But he was a fantastic defender, like really, really, really good at defending. No one ever really got past him. He put people down. Um, and a great, great rugby brain, great kicking, great control. He was underrated. So Rob Andrew there. And then covering uh, the back three, I picked uh, Ian Bolshaw, um, who probably got picked for England a few more times than he should have um, and certainly had some nightmares. But when he was, when he was at his best, I mean, he was world-class and he was on the bench in 2003, wasn't he? The world cup final. I don't know. I couldn't, I can't really think of anyone else I would consider putting there. We had some pissy, piss poor fullbacks. Um, John Webb. No. Nick Beale, I liked. Who am I forgetting? Do you remember Paul Hull? I feel like that was a wasted talent. I th I think it was a game against Canada. I think I was there. I think... Now, I could be totally wrong. My memory might be fucking up right now, but I went to uh, two or three rugby matches at Twickenham with, with my secondary school, and I believe England played Canada... And I think I was there. And I think that was the match where Paul Hull got injured. I don't remember if he was injured in the game or before, but Mike Cat came on and scored a hat trick. And they were like, and Jeff Cook was like, well, you know, we have to reward something like that. So they kept picking him. And Paul Hull, I think, never played for England again. But Paul Hull was fucking amazing. Of course, Mike Cat did, uh, had some success too, didn't he? Anyway, that's my England all-time 23 um, feel free to let me know if I fucked up and I forgot anyone or I'm wrong about anything. That's fine. Um, I'm going to end it there before I go. Um, quick shout out to Ben Bacon on Twitter, uh, at Quinns USA who, uh, informed me and I, and I, Ben, I forgot about this. It's like a documentary, isn't it? I, I, I had seen an ad for this, the, uh, all or nothing, all blacks documentary. Um, for some reason, so yeah, Ben's telling me I should should watch it, and I will, Ben. Uh, it's probably very good, uh, but I feel slightly depressed about it because I'm just jealous of the All Blacks. I don't like it, but I'm going to watch it. I'm sure it's very good, and then I'll report back to you, Ben, and to the millions of Sheddies listening right now. Um, before I go, remember, if you haven't subscribed to this, subscribe. The great thing about the podcast, you can subscribe and never listen, so just subscribe whether you're going to listen or not. Um, what I mean, what I'm meaning to do is put on, put up like a, my latest stand up set at the end. So you can listen to it. But as I said, at the beginning of this, I forgot to record the last one, but I'll do, I'll have one by next week. Um, uh, so follow this rugby rant banter is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast who won't give it. This is incredible. They're never going to put my cover art on. You do understand 
this isn't just this isn't like some trivial shit. It's like trying to sell crisps in a bowl, like not putting them in a bag, or just selling crisps in a paper bag in the shop and just writing crisps on it. And the name of the shop, Tesco's Crisps. That's what it's like when you look at my podcast on Acast and it just has the fucking Acast logo. It's fucking pissing me off. And I can't get, I can't get, they won't listen. Anyway, follow me. Subscribe to Rugby Ranta Banter. That's what you're listening to. Follow me on Twitter, Eddie Stevens MD at Twitter or Ranta Rugby. Um, and I'll follow you back and we'll all have a lovely time. Um, all right. I'll be back next Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Goodbye. Cowboy hat, and I'm naked.